Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I may go one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Kim Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Welcome back. Welcome back. What's up, partner? How you doing? Hello, everyone. I am well. And how are you, Dr. A? I'm good. How was your Easter weekend and your week leading up to Easter? My week was very pleasant, as busy as usual. But my Easter Sunday was very relaxing. And we did virtual church. So we avoided the, you know, annual Easter crowd at church. <laughs> How about you? Well, I was in the house of the Lord uh, on Sunday, uh, eight o'clock service. Um, it was packed, but not as packed as it usually is. Um, but it was a good service. Um, it was good to see, you know, folks out at the church uh, celebrating Resurrection Day. And so, with that said, welcome to Potlicker Podcast. Um, as always, we start off our show with the wow. And this week, it goes out to Huey P. Newton. And his words of wisdom is, I do not expect the white media to create positive black male images. So my background is in rhetoric and media representation. Um, I focus on the athletic body and how it's represented in new media. So can <clears throat> I do understand what Brother Newton is stating. There's a lot of shows on television right now that a lot of people watch. Um, Snowfall, BMF. Power was out. The Wire was out before. Uh, Ghost, Raising Canaan, like all these shows are so-called, you know, great shows, and they are highly entertaining. But at the same time, they depict uh, black males as criminal. And um, I think, you know, that is, you know, an issue. The representation of black males in, in the media is lopsided. Um, I think we need to see more positive uh, images of African-American males. What say you? As usual, you nailed it. This is clearly your area of expertise. But the only thing that I would add is as a Black Panther, I think Huey P. Newton, he knew that there's no need to really complain about uh, these negative 
images of black males in the, in the white media. Um, unless you're going to represent yourself, unless you're going to tell your own story in the media, you can't expect for it to be positive if it's from the white media. And I think this is this actually helped him with his, with his mental health. And it will help all of us with our mental health if we just don't even expect it. And so when we see these negative um, images of black males, we don't get, don't, don't get upset about it. Just work on, well, I, I guess we can try to influence them to do better, but we can work on having our own representation. Well spoken. And let us move on. Okay, we're going to get into our first plug of the day, and that's our favorite product. So today we're going to talk about Tiffany and Company perfume. Now, this um, comes with the set that I got, it comes with a perfumed body lotion. And I really enjoy this fragrance. Uh, it's called Tiffany and Company Love for her. And they have a version for men as well. And I like this because it's a very light floral scent and it has notes of like a woodsy uh, scent to it as well. And those are the types of fragrances that I really enjoy. So check it out. So when you pick that as your product, I know I have <laughs> Tiffany too. Um, yours is called Love for Her. Mine's is called Love for Him. Um, it's a lighter scent. Um, I wear it occasionally. Um, doesn't smell bad. It was a birthday gift that I received. Um, so yeah, if you're into cologne, I definitely would recommend checking out Tiffany if you are a guy love for him or if you like a more masculine smell love for him that was a loaded statement <laughs> and let us move on okay so a lot went on last week yes it did especially with this whole Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark uh, situation. Uh, for the, those of you who do not know, the Lady Tigers from the University of, I mean, well, Louisiana State University uh, won the national championship. <clears throat> and there was some controversy um, after the game because Angel Reese, um, was doing the patented signal that Caitlin Clark does is the you can't see me signal. And some people say from Tony Yayo, some people say from well, they got it. John Cena, John Cena said he got it from Tony Yayo. Yeah. <laughs> the first person who ever did it was Flavor Flav. Um, oh, he was okay. the first one to do it. But I didn't know the meaning of it. I didn't know Flavor Flav or Tony Yayo came up with, you know, uh, defining, you know, the symbol of this reaction. But uh, after LSU, toward the end of the game, um, 
Caitlin Clark, I mean, I'm sorry, Angel Reese was taunting uh, Caitlin Clark, waving her hand in her face and pointing to her ring finger. And some respected journalists, I would say, uh, went berserk. Um, Keith Overman, for one, uh, very smart guy, intelligent guy, called her a fucking idiot. Is he a sports journalist? He was a sports journalist. Okay. He's, but a, he's he still just, a sports journalist, but he does other journalism too. Okay. He apologized after he found out that Caitlin Clark, what role she played in it. But still, I don't care if you thought uh, Angel Reese uh, was very rude, or if you, you know, he defined her as rude and classless, um, shameful, what have you. She still. A 20-year-old person. Right. And um, you don't call anybody out of their name. Out of, out of their name. Um, not He's in his 60s and she's 20. So, yeah, you can't do that. Right. Why are you even in it? Well, he's a journalist, so he can make his statements about the game. Um, yeah, but that, right, and that's the, that's the point, Doctor A. Don't you think? Because you can make a statement about the game, but not you don't make an ad hominem attack against her as a person. Do you know what I mean? So what he said had nothing to do with the actual game. You're attacking her as a person. That's the well. Problem. It has something to the taunting had something to do with it, <clears throat> you know. If you want to classify okay. somebody as you know taunting and rude, um, uh, I don't mind that. I don't think there was any space for you to call her an effing idiot. Not a grown man of sixty talking to a twenty-year-old. I thought that was inappropriate. Or but a if you wanna, piece of crap, yeah. Right. The other gentleman said the class is piece of shit. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think that's uncalled for, too. If you want to say what she did was rude and classless, okay, you have a right to. But the the thing, what was wrong with that is, like, when Caitlin Clark did it, there were positive things said about it. Look at her, her swag, and, you know, and, and, and when Angel did it, there was different terminology. So I'm just saying you represent one body, you know, who happens to be white in one way, and then you represent another body, which happens to be black in another way. And that was my issue with it. Right. And I think a lot of people had that same issue. And I agree with you. That was definitely a double standard, clearly a double standard and racist and sexist. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely was sexist, and the bodies were racialized. Um, I would say that. Like now, a lot of people <clears throat> felt that it wasn't racism. Um, you know, I think a lot of people did talk about the sexism, but some people said, "Why are we um, adding race to it?" Well, I would because say because of the two bodies that were being represented and misrepresented. Exactly. Exactly. 
I mean, I'm to me, I'm not really a big March Madness person, but I happened to catch this game because my husband is a big March Madness person and he was watching it. And I came in kind of like towards the end of the first half of the game. And the first thing I noticed was that the LSU team was all black and the Iowa team that was on the floor was all white for the most part. And so, you know, I just said, oh, you know, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Like, it's a race. So I was just rooting for them because, because I'm not that familiar with the teams just in general. But as I watched, um, I just saw how competitive both teams were. And I saw that Caitlin Clark was an amazing shooter. She's like a Steph, you know, female Steph Curry. Um, and I saw how good she was. And I, and I also saw that the LSU team seemed to be just a tough team, like just they played really hard and Iowa didn't seem to be ready for that. And it just seemed like they started lashing out with, you know, throwing bows and just flagrant fouls and stuff like that, because I think they were frustrated, you know, because this was this team was like super competitive and they were finding it difficult to to beat them. So I think what these men said after the game was just a continuation of that. I think they were just frustrated that this phenomenal player, Caitlin Clark, this, you know, this woman was being defeated by this team of women, these quote unquote, from the ghetto hood, whatever. It's like they start getting these ad hominem attacks because you can't say anything about their game. It's like, how dare you come from these, let's say impoverished neighborhoods from his perspective and defeat this, you know, phenomenal player who had every advantage, you know, this white girl. And here you go trying to defend a woman that didn't ask for, for your, you know, for you to defend her. It, well, I think, you know, let me, I'm sorry. I got to jump in. Cause there's some things that's being stated that we're not quite sure of. We don't know how much of an advantage that, Caitlin Clark had in basketball <clears throat> over the other girls. And I'm just talking strictly basketball, right? Because when you recruited that. As I'm saying from his perspective as a white man, this is, this is the perception. Okay. But that, also I, wanted to, I also wanted to state that the two guys that said this didn't mention anything, her being hood or ghetto, her comments after the show, which I mean, I'm sorry, after the game, which were excellent. She said all year she's been hearing her being defined as hood, uh, too hood, uh, too ghetto. Uh, over you don't think those men knew that? You don't think they heard it? But I'm saying they didn't make they didn't make those statements. One called her a classless piece of shit. The other one called her a fucking idiot, which <laughs> to me well. is is well, well, I was going to say that to me, that is far worse, you know. Um, call me hood, you know, <laughs> but you're gonna get that rusty, dusty busted, yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's rusty, dusty busted too, didn't but you? it? But it wasn't the girl, it wasn't the girls though. So, in fairness to Iowa girls, like <clears throat> and Caitlin Clark, I would say, like, Caitlin Clark had a she wanted to showboat and she wanted to and she did and she smacked she talked smack which has been going on in the game forever this is where the sex is to me is even more sex. If, if if a man would have done that he may have been assessed the technical even though angel reese wasn't assessed the technical but usually there's nothing said about men 
Like, oh, and he talks and says some things and they keep it going. This would like, you know, women are supposed to comport themselves in a specific way. Like you have to be a quote unquote, a lady, like you shouldn't be talking smack. And, um, but like I said, when Caitlin Clark did it to the Louisville bench, when she ran across down the sideline doing the, you can't see me. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you know, not to say the, the swag she has, but right. it's all a part of the game. And I, right. I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I agree with you. And that's why I'm like, the women I think are looking at it as this is a part of the game and they're okay with it. And that's why I was glad to see that Caitlin Clark didn't get, didn't react in a, you know, negative manner or in a violent way. She's, she knew she's like, okay, you got me this time and go ahead and have your fun and rub it in and talk trash. You earned it. Go ahead and do what you got to do, but I'm, I'm coming back. You know, she's saying in the back of her, her mind, I'm coming back next year. I'll see you next year because that's what competitors do. And so that's my point. I agree with you. It's okay between the women. So why are, are you how you get trying to insert yourself in it and coming and 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 making this statement saying that she's a classless piece of crap and and a effing idiot and all of that nobody asked you if the women are okay with it then why are you in it you know what i mean and so i think at the end of the day this controversy and or rivalry between these two phenomenal basketball players and their teams it's great for women's basketball at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And hopefully this will transfer over into the WNBA. But because um, the Bayou Barbie Angel Reese is doing so well with her NIL, I mean, she's like a millionaire just from NIL, um, her NIL income. She might take her time getting to the WNBA because she's making way more as a college player than she will be as a professional player if she chooses to do that. So, yeah. Well, that's not definitely the case either because when you go on to the WNBA, you can get commercials. You get commercials, you can make some money, and she definitely has that personality. I can see her all over the television attached to certain products. Um, the salary because NIL is just name and, and likeness, image, so, right? Yeah, so name is image and likeness. Um, you can get that in the WNBA, you know. Is that why? What's, what's the young lady that went to Russia and got imprisoned? I can't even think of her name right now. Brittany Griner, Brittany, is that why she was going to Russia because you can make a lot of money in the uh, WNBA? You're getting things different. NIL it has nothing to do with the WNBA. I understand that. Right. But what so I'm she saying was, no, but, 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 but is that what, you I'm, what I'm saying. No, I, I get what you're saying. I'm trying to say LSU doesn't play pay Angel Reese. I understand that. Okay, so Dr. A. Well, hear but, me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. And I'll explain what I'm trying to say. Hear me out. You said she would make more money now than she will when she goes to the WNBA. I'm saying she still can get commercial endorsements endorsements when she gets to the NBA. That's outside of the WNBA. Also, the WNBA will pay her a salary, which LSU doesn't pay her. So what I'm saying is when she gets to the WNBA, she will make money. They go across seas and may, now they might not have to because women's sports is becoming more, more and more popular. They go across seas to make additional money 
playing basketball. Playing basketball. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to let you have that. But I would say another thought that I had was that this kind of reminded me of, remember the Don Imus situation when he called the basketball players? Brothers, yeah, the girls. Yeah. Nappy head and hoes. That's what it reminded me of. It's like <laughs> the more things uh, change, the more they stay the same. You know, here we go again with that. Um, but I also wanted to just add that, you know, she was saying that she, uh, Angel Reese was speaking for the girls. Younger, you know, younger women or younger girls that look like her with, you know, so I just would add that I would say she's even speaking for older women like me because I love just the bravado. I love the, you know, her just being unapologetically who she is. And I think we all aspire to do that. You know, it's just that basketball lends itself to that bravado and that in your face kind of attitude. Like, you know, I'm a trash talker, but I, I have the game to back it up. And I think a lot of us black women just in, you know, in our daily lives, in the workplace, in the, you know, in corporate America, we feel that we have the same kind of talent, maybe in a different a different arena, but, and we get challenged as well. And so she's saying the things that we all sometimes want to say, but we can't because it's not as well received in other spaces. Do you know what I mean? So we just- Yeah, trash talking really doesn't go on in, because you're not, well, I guess you can't get beat competing against people that work for the same company that you do if it's a different division different department but or I just don't... with your skills as a black woman when someone questions your 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 skills and you accomplish something great and they are amazed and you're like this is what i do i mean this is what i this is what we do you know we're just as smart just as talented just as you know so that's what i mean all righty and let us move on Okay, so Dr. Ruth Simmons has made the news. And she has some comments to say about the Texas A&M University system. I'm going to let you start off with this. Well, as the president of Prairie View A&M University, um, I think she was preparing to step down um, shortly, but she sped it up and did it um, early because she said she didn't want to be president in name only. Apparently, she was not allowed to select um, to make high level appointments on her on her way out. And she felt that this was usurping her power as the president of the university. And so I don't blame her for stepping down because of this. Um, I think she was disrespected as a woman with a 50 plus career, much of it as a leader. Um, she has a lot to offer and she felt like they could benefit from her expertise. Um, and, and it was a lot, she said that the opportunity 
that they had to make use of my experience and judgment was completely missed by a proclivity to constantly downgrade Prairie View University or yeah, Prairie View A&M University. So I, I don't blame her for what she did. I mean, it's, it's like, once again, disrespecting this woman, this black woman who's clearly very talented, very um, intelligent, a leader, and a very successful and accomplished one who's been, I mean, she was the first black president of an Ivy League university at Brown University. She was the president of Smith College. Just imagine the wealth of knowledge and wisdom and information that she has to share. And then they're going to come in and tell her, oh, no, you can't, you can't make these uh, appointments before you step down. What? Okay, so full disclosure, I um, received my PhD from Texas A&M University. I also teach there. Um, I also served on the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, Committee with Dr. Simmons. Um, so I just wanted to give that background. Now, I want to make this statement and hear me out. When I read the articles at first, when she was stepping down, A&M said that they don't allow, that's not the practice to allow the outgoing president to appoint like the next group of hires. They want to give that power to the new president of the university. So say for instance, if you're at University of Maryland, and they're about to appoint you as the president of Prairie View. And you're coming there, you know, like most presidents, you know, they get to pick their cabinet or their staff. That was the reason why AM, right, was saying this. Now, it is to my understanding. Prairie View University is an HBCU. I, I know that. <clears throat> I'm not far from the institution, actually. Um, they were going to hire and replace her with another African-American person. If she would have appointed who she wanted to appoint, then that individual wouldn't have had to come in on a set of different circumstances. He couldn't or she couldn't pick her own staff. So that's one. Two, I think it could have been handled different by the gentleman at AM by saying, like, well, you should consult with the next president. Like, we're going to say the next president. And then maybe Dr. Ruth Simmons can be like, well, here's some people I'm thinking of. Like, maybe, you know, that new president will take some of her selections. That's a good maybe. suggestion. Yeah, that's right. a good suggestion. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. This guy, I'm not going to say turned in because I do agree with you with the amount of wisdom someone had. I don't want people Experience. to think like they changed the game in the ninth inning. No. They said this is, now this is according to the gentleman at A&M. This is how it's always been done. <clears throat> when you know the new what? person, Go ahead. I, I, you know, I was just going to say, I'm, I was surprised to learn that the Texas A&M system regulates this HBCU. 
is it they regulate all of the all of the colleges in Texas, including no, the HBCUs? They have they have several schools, Texas A and M. You know that's under them, like Texas A and M Corpus Christi, Texas A and M Galveston. So Prairie View University is under the A and M system. Yeah, I didn't and realize that Prairie View has been under the a Texas A and M University system. They have received quite a few uh, resources from well, the that's system. Um, we'll take them wherever we can get them from. But TS I, I work at TSU also, and I think, and I'll tell people at TSU too, that Texas Southern University should go under University of Texas uh, if they could. Um, I just think uh, because of the resources, people feel like that's a quick way to stop becoming an HBCU. I don't believe that. Um, well, let's hope, I, let's hope not. Well, this <laughs> remember our institution, you know, uh, non-African-Americans, non-Africans can attend HBCUs. It's just a historically black college and a university. Um, I just think that some of these schools, some of the HBCUs can benefit from the resources that can be allocated by the larger institution. And things can change at the institution when you have resources. Um, indeed, indeed. So I'm just saying, just the library alone, you know, I could say, look at several things. So I don't think how the situation was handled, was handled correctly. Um, but I am understanding why this was stated. Um, so it why what why what was stated that you outgoing presidents can't pick the people that's going to follow them, and I'm not talking about a president of the university. I'm just talking about other staff people. But, but here's the thing: is if you are the president. You are the president. And that means that you have the power and authority that comes with being a president until you are no longer the president. This is the problem that we have with Barack Obama and appointing the Supreme Court justice. And now they want to come up and throw salt in the game at the last minute and say, well, no, we think you need to wait until the new president is elected and let the new president. No, I'm the president. And so I get to decide. And, and, and for all you know, the incoming president may actually want to defer to my judgment as the current president who has superior knowledge as to the inner workings of this particular institution that I have led for the past several years. Maybe that person wants to defer to my judgment. And that's why I like your suggestion of her being at least in an advisory role with this incoming president saying, okay, this is, this is what I see happening next. This is who I think can take us to the next level. That right. kind of thing. But I'm that's saying so, this. That's I'm disrespectful at, to take away her not, power and authority if she is the president it's, it's of not, the university. It's, it's that's not, all. 
It's not taking away her power if she's never had it. That's what you're stating. This has been a rule. So it didn't just apply to Dr. Simmons. Like, oh, now she's president. As she's leaving, we're taking her power. And we gave power to every other president that was there prior to her. So what I'm saying, this is not new what they're doing. Does Second the of all, hold on. To make those Second, hires or not? But if she's if she's announcing that she's leaving, like if I'm going to get hired from University of Maryland, I'm only using that because you're in that part of town. Right. I'll say I come from Bowie. Right. And you work under me and you were with me previously at, um, I don't know, University of Delaware. Right. It's obviously like if we turn the University of Delaware around and we turn Bowie State around. Now I'm coming to a and I'm going Exactly. And I want to work with people I'm familiar with. Right. So I under like I said, I understand both sides i didn't look at it as a place of contention like she hasn't i and i'm giving her her respect i think that they should put her in a role as an advisory person or she shouldn't have announced that she would but she was being upfront and honest like, but even even if you hire somebody, when the new cabinet comes in, you the new president comes in, you give them that power. Like the new president came in to Texas Southern, she got to pick up the provost and the second in you know command. Well, I let's believe. just I, 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 let's just hope whoever the new hires are, they they were able to take the the university to the to the next level. I mean, she's already shaken the dust off of her shoes and moved on. Now she's going to be uh, see, uh, serving as a senior uh, advisor to Harvard's president. So she'll take she's going to yeah, take her I, talent. I, I, also, wait, wait, wait! Didn't she didn't she get hired by Rice University too? Yes. She's okay. serving in several roles. Roles. What is she doing at Rice? Is it mm. an advisory role as well? I know it was something. No, I it's a different, a different position. I have to go back and look at that. But yeah, it, it, but, yeah. But she's also serving as senior advisor to the president of Harvard. So, on on there, she's going to be serving as a in an advisory role on Harvard's uh, partnership with HBCUs in general. So I think that's a great thing because she has a, a particular an infinite amount of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's worked with Ivy League schools. She's the first HBCUs black like, president yeah. of an Ivy League school of Brown University. Yes, no, Can you of, I, of, of any Ivy League school. Right, I understand. Um, and now and the so second nice. one is at Harvard. So right. that's why you know she's a black. She's person the perfect person to advise her don't you think so this is going to be great so shake Let the dust off all right so we're gonna move on to the next story this is about supreme court justice clarence thomas Mm -hmm. Let me let me let me hear what you have to say about Look this. at that picture. <laughs> it's like he smells. I was, you that. know what? I, let me say something. It Why was is he mean mugging so, in this picture. <laughs> but let let me say something. It was hard. I'm glad you mentioned it. It was hard picking a, a photograph of because most of his photos are like that. Or there's one where he's really laughing, and because of what he's getting accused of, I didn't want to have 
a picture up there like to say like act like he was you know laughing uh joking around this is a serious matter right this is a serious position associate justice of the supreme court the highest court in the land yeah right you can't okay. yeah so what say you on this so these gifts? On this, these yeah so and I don't know how this came out. I wonder, like, how did we discover that Clarence Thomas, over several decades, has been receiving luxurious gifts from a billionaire Dallas real estate developer by the name of Harlan Crow? Um, I mean, yacht trips on yachts and all kinds of trips on private jets and all kinds of luxurious, said, expensive gifts. He said this was his friend, though. He said this was his friend, though. And but this guy just his friend happens to be a billionaire real estate developer in Texas who's a GOP donor. So we're just supposed to believe that he's doing Holland Crow is lavishing these gifts on Justice Thomas out of the kindness of his heart? Is that what we're supposed to believe? There's no uh, intention of, of currying any type of favor, perhaps? And regardless of the answer to those questions, this has, this, this, this is just unethical. He should not, Clarence Thomas should be ashamed of himself. And I agree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that he should be impeached. I mean, this, in addition to him not recusing himself from any cases that had to do with the 2020 election, um, he should have recused himself because his wife, Jenny Thomas, who has her own lobbying firm, who her lobbying organization, who is a proponent of Trump, um, tried to, I mean, she contributed, contributed to January 6th. She provided buses and lo and behold, she also received $500,000 from this Harlan Crow. So all of this is just unethical at the least it's unethical. How do we have, it, it, I mean, it erodes the public trust. It, how do we have faith in our, judicial institutions if this is what is going on this is just i mean i'm very very concerned about this i mean this this is why i say our democracy is very very fragile and we are teetering on the brink of disaster i mean this is just unconscionable in my opinion so i mean and i work for the fcc as a federal employee, even I have limitations and guidelines on receiving gifts. And for us, I think it's $25 or $50. You know, I work for an agency that regulates telecommunications carriers. And so I know at Christmas time, some of the carriers would give us, you know, cookies and stuff like that. And we have to even be careful about that. So if I, as a low a low public servant has have these kind of guidelines, then so should the associate justices of the highest court in our land. So what do you think? 
Well, I think there needs to be a further investigation to what's uh, going on. Um, to see if these gifts were received um, inappropriately. Inappropriately. Are you serious? How 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 is it appropriately received? Well, he he said that this gentleman oh, is a friend. He said that this gentleman is, is a friend. friend of his. Is a friend of his. Okay. So I'm I'm saying that. So I'm I'm saying that if he's found guilty, then he needs to be he needs guilty, to be dealt with. He needs to be dealt with. Uh, okay. Well, at the end of the day, the bottom line, I think Congress needs to pass a law um, that provides guidelines for Supreme Court justices. Apparently, they don't have any. So. I mean, they do. I mean, they do. It, okay, well, if they do, so, well, I, if they do, I don't know what they are. I don't think that, I, I honestly don't think they do, because if he got away with his wife providing buses. Uh, yeah, if he, he, if he, his yeah. wife got, if he, his wife got, got away with stuff. Got um, away with stuff. Um, and so it seems like he is too. What I need to do. Like he is too. Just so, tell me what I need to do. So, so um, yeah, so Clarence so, Thomas uh, is under yeah, so this investigation, so we're going to find out what's happening. Find out what's happening with him. With him. Let us move on. Let us move on. All right, so Justin Jones, Justin P. Pearson, and Gloria Johnson got removed. Um, from okay, they got removed from uh, the Tennessee. Uh, house because they were protesting uh, guns, mm -hmm. uh, automatic weapons. Um, there was a huge protest that they led, and there were a lot of people in the courthouse when this happened, and when they were asked to leave the floor, or they were expelled right or excommunicated whatever you want to call it uh there was 
there were a lot of boos going on. So uh, Glory Johnson, Justin Jones, and Justin Pearson are against the sale of uh, semi-automatic weapons. And so they displayed this and, you know, they were asked to leave. Well, let me ask you this. I have a question. Um, I, it was my understanding that there were school children that were protesting um, because of the shooting that had just occurred at the uh, the the private school in, in Tennessee, right? And so it was kind of like a, a walkout. The, the, the kids walked out. And I thought that these uh, three legislators, state legislators, joined those children in their march against these um, guns in school. Is that is that what happened? I mean, the article I read, it said that they were leading it. So Oh, okay. See, I'm, I'm not... Yeah, I, yeah. But at, at any rate, I think the, the problem is that they were ousted uh, from this, this legislative body for exercising their First Amendment right. And I just thought that was just flat out wrong, just outrageous, you know. I how agree. These, yeah, how these people can be elected by the people to this uh, position. And then that legislative body, the, the, the state legislature is going to expel them. Like, how is this even possible? This can't be, you know, legal. It's an elected position. And so to me, you know, it just, again, it just demonstrates to me the 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 fragile nature of our quote unquote democracy because this is the antithesis of democracy you know what i mean and I, one thing i could appreciate is what the kids were chanting during their protests they were saying you ban books you ban drag and kids are still in body bags to me that is genius i mean I we could the Democrats could actually run on that. That messaging, that's the kind of messaging the Democrats need to have. Like something short, sweet, to the point. They could actually campaign on that, on that slogan. You've banned books, you've banned drag, and kids are still in body bags. And to top it all off, I mean, this whole controversy with them being expelled from this body, it actually brings brings attention. To this issue. And it shows that these Republican legislators, instead of focusing on the issue at hand, which is kids being murdered in schools and not being safe and the, the proliferation of these weapons of uh, war and people being able to carry them and the carnage that it, it causes, instead of them solving that issue, they're worried about whether these three legislators have exercised the proper decorum. And so that's why they expelled them because they did not maintain the proper decorum. Like, are you serious right now? And I also thought it was interesting that magically the one uh, white legislator, Gloria Johnson, the white woman with the black name <laughs> remained in the body, remained a legislator. She was not ousted. Although they tried, she made, she made it by the skin of her teeth. One vote and she she wasn't expelled. Yeah, she but, even said she even said, you know, the reason why she wasn't ousted. 
yeah, I'm a white woman. Let's yeah. yeah, they're black and I'm white. Even she's saying it. Yeah. So yeah, this is just this is this is just crazy. And I hope these men um are reinstated and they need to uh, this is crazy. I mean, this should not even be allowed. But these southern states are off the hook. They're just out of control. This is crazy. It's crazy. You uh, people are elected to a position and you think you can just say, oh, you know what? Forget the will of the people. You've got to go. And in the meantime, their constituents remain unrepresented. Like who's representing their constituents in, in the state? So this is just, what do you think, Dr. A? I mean, I, I think it's wrong that they didn't get a chance to express themselves, but you know, um, we use the word democracy. That's just, you know, the vote <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, and if you don't have the numbers, you sometimes got to be careful, but I think, you know, they got more out of this than expected. I think them being removed brought attention to the situation, but it also lets you know, like, you say the southern states are crazy. I get it. I'm in the south, so I'm not going to use that. They just love their guns down here, period. And like I tell my folks up back northeast, it ain't just the white folks that like guns down here. <laughs> Black folks, Latinx folks, they love love their guns down here too. So um that dr a but it's like now, okay. I'm, not, I'm not going against what you're saying i'm just telling you reasons why gun legislation stays the way it does i understand that but i just i, ha I have to keep saying it though is that i understand that i understand the second amendment i agree with the second amendment i agree with your right to to have these weapons but at some point you love your guns, but how much do you love your children? How much do you love our children who can't even be safe in school? I mean, are you willing to relinquish your right to save our children and keep our children safe? Can you do that? I mean, can you sacrifice for our democracy? Can you sacrifice for our children? That's what we as parents do every day. And we're just asking people, sacrifice for, we need some Hope you know some people who have these AR assault rifles to just say you know what I wanted to have this weapon but if it's going to save a child here take it back can we get some leaders to start that movement that's what we need because the legislatures are not going to do it the state legislate legislators aren't going to do it our federal legislators aren't going to do it the people have to step up. And we, we, we've got to be leaders for ourselves. And we got to solve this problem because they're not going to do it. How long are we going to wait? How many people have to be killed, you know? <sighs> well, there's a lot to that. And we'll see what happens. Um, like I said, but in the meantime, hopefully we can try to make these schools safer. Let us move on. All right. So we're on to our second plug of the week, and that is Nugenics. 
Nugenics is a brand that sells a lot of different uh, different enhancers, I would say. Um, of course, have you seen the uh, Frank? Uh, have you seen the Frank Thomas commercial? You, you see uh, the Nugenics, um, the low T with higher testosterone. This is uh, the uh, nitric oxide booster. It helps with blood flow. Um, and um, this is something that I use. Um, I use some of the other products too. So Nugenics is at GNC or any vitamin shop that you can go buy and get it. Um, and yeah, it does a lot of good to the body. So when you get a chance, if you know, you're getting up in age, I recommend it. Um, if you heard our interview with Dr. Sutton last week, um, yeah, these are these are good for you, right? They are good for you. All right. And let us move on. We have a question. It's a question. Address the question. This is a question. So what's the question? Answer the question. Well, all right. Okay, so the question of the week this week is what goes up but never comes down? What goes up but never comes down? comes down uh you guys again pot liquor show at gmail.com p-o-t-l-i-q-o-r-s-h-o-w at gmail.com last week's question what what is always coming but never arrives and the answer to that was tomorrow so this question of the week what goes up but never comes down email us the first one to answer it will receive a prize and and let us move on all right so we have a special guest today um, we're gonna bring in miss kyla wyatt's Hey, Kyla, you got to unmute yourself. Uh, oh. All right. So, Kyla Wyatt is my daughter, and she is also a former collegiate basketball player. Nice. She played at Prairie View and Alcorn State. So... <laughs> Thank you for coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes. So she is, you know, we talked about Preview and we're about to talk about college basketball. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Kyle Why is a graduate of Preview University. Tell them your major, Kyle. Uh, I graduated with my bachelor's in criminal justice um, in 2020. So, and I'm going on to get my master's, my MBA in concentration and accounting. All right.
Right. So we have her on today to talk about the Angel Reese and situation that happened after the Lady Tigers uh, was clearly winning the game with like a minute and 12 seconds left on the clock. And Angel Reese uh, was, for lack of better terms, I, I taunting Caitlin Clark, uh, following her around, um, pointing to her finger and doing the, uh, what's you this? Uh, you can't see me symbol. Um, and then they classified or represented uh, Angel in some horrific ways, called her effing idiot, called, called her a classless piece of SHIT. Um, also, um, didn't use the same terminology with Caitlin Clark when she did it. So what are your thoughts on that, being a former basketball player that probably uh, talked smack and got smack talk to you? Uh, well, like you said, like I went in and so smack talking, I think like most places where you play ball, female or male is a part of the game. So I didn't enjoy, of course, the misrepresentation of, of uh, Reese because it just I feel like it was unnecessary. Um, I think that she did what all, if not majority, ball players um, do, which is just playing the game, enjoying getting intensified, you know, having a good time, really enjoying it. And they want a natty. You know, they won a national championship. So in, in some regards, she kind of she had she had a right. To that. Um, I also saw like, you know, I didn't I didn't get to watch all the games, unfortunately. But um, was it Caitlin Clark was up by 15 points against Louisville and told another player, you know, like you you still talking to me. Shut up. You down by 15. But, you know, it was it was the same, a pretty, pretty similar situation when Reese did it. And then that's when she became became classless and things of that nature. And I, I, I appreciate that. So. Turn your mic up, Kim. Yeah. Turn your mic up, Kim. Okay, oh, you hear me? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It went out for some reason the audio went out for a second. But I just learned a new term, natty. <laughs> That's a national I'm glad championship. You clarify that because I ain't know what she said. <laughs> I didn't right. know that. She said a natty. <laughs> nice. Well, what kind of what kind of trash talking did you do? What did, did you were you a trash talker or no? It was I was more of a trash talker. I was more of a trash talker. We a lot of times required that we played pick up required that we pick up if if it was in my team. You know, like almost on a playground, like in a in a regular gym. Uh, we would say you know some things that I can't own. Oh, I can't. I don't feel comfortable. The heat but I can't. I don't feel things like you can't guard me, similar to the you can't see me. You know why you over there? You know after you've already went a different way and you you cross somebody up, things of that nature. So that was the extent of mostly what I said because I was a fast way. But it was why you go out and come back in. Go out and come back in. Who me? So you talking to me? So, uh, so tell us how difficult it was to be tell a student athlete and a um, a student while you were at PB. Ooh, 
for me, it wasn't as difficult as I think it is for some. Um, like you said, you my you my part. So with you and my mom behind me, education was was never was never difficult for me. It was an expectation, um, but balancing the two, just getting into a routine helps a lot. So it, it helps when you have practice usually at the same day, or you have you know a schedule of, of when your workouts are going to be, where it's going to be. It was it was pretty simple for me, and I like I said, education was an expectation. So I was going to class. That wasn't a question for me. Um, now my other teammates on the hand, other hand, sometimes as you, they got, you know, further up there in, in uh, classifications, you know, it, they had a different attitude. And, and even when I got up there in classification, I kind of understood it. Cause I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting a little tired. Like this is getting, it's getting a little old, but at the same time, I just always had the motivation in me to the grit in me to make sure that I completed it. I was going to finish it. And, and uh, again, it was just an expectation. So it wasn't too difficult, but it could be some distractions, especially at the illustrious Prairie View AM University. So. What would you have to say for, um, because I, I have a uh, student athlete in my class at TSU mm -hmm. Um uh, she struggles sometimes in the morning, but her practice is in the morning, so she gets to come to the 8 o'clock class on time all the time. Um, but it is difficult because I think they have lifting early in the morning, practice in the afternoon. And it's not that it's not doable, but it's constant. Mm -hmm. throughout, the, throughout the school year, not just the basketball season, because when the basketball season is over, they still have practice. Mm -hmm. So I know you said that, you know, the academics wasn't difficult, but still you still had a high demand on you with uh, the sports. Do you think that prevented you from having a social life uh, at, at, at the university? I would say it, it, in a way it did. Uh, I wasn't as social as a lot of my counterparts who weren't athletes. I just knew in myself that I wasn't able to balance it um, as as well yet. So I had to take time to say, you know, prioritize and say, well, I can't go do certain stuff. I can't go go out tonight. And, and it happened more often than I would like it to. Um, but, yeah, with, with practices or, or workouts, like you said, yeah, year-round, you'll have weights, you'll have individual things like that. It's a constant thing. The only thing that's not constant is, like, maybe a, a full team practice. So, yeah, that – individual stuff can 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 really get in the way sometime of class um i got really lucky with my advisors i was really on them i think my first semester i had a class ran into my practice and after that i never never i made sure that that didn't happen again it had to be a learning experience because it, it makes you feel like you have to choose and that should never be a thing you should never have to choose between playing ball or doing your collegiate sport and going to class that shouldn't be something that's a burden that's put on you as an athlete when you have advisors and things like that that are on your side to make sure so um it's just it's a learning process to that learning curve just it's it could be difficult it could be taxing physically like you said if she going to weights in the morning individuals and in the class you know sometimes something got to give and you hate it but sometimes class might have to but you, you you try to make it to where you you get out of that mindset where you know basketball may end you want it to be forever but your education stands you know that's a life that's a lifelong th accomplishment nobody can take away from you so i had no problem prioritizing that because again my parents you know doctors so education was 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 number one 
All right. So we want to thank you for coming on. Uh, we definitely want to bring you back on to the show. We can talk about your career aspirations, what you're going to do with that MBA and accountant. Uh, we can have a conversation about that. But we want to thank uh, Kyle Wyatt for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. See you next time. All right. We had a few technical difficulties with that. But, but the devil is a lie. <laughs> we're back on that. And let us move on. Blackness. Keep the keep on. So we all always strive to get better and we heard you and we are going to have a succinct black little known black history fact today. Today we want to highlight Henry Highland Garnett. Henry Highland Garnett was an abolitionist minister, educator, and orator who became the first African-American to speak in the U.S. House of Representatives. On Sunday, February 12, 1865, he delivered a sermon on the floor of Congress to mark the passage of the 13th Amendment, which ended slavery. As a child, he escaped from slavery in Maryland with his family and grew up in New York, in New York City. He was educated at the African Free School and became an advocate of militant abolitionism. He also became a minister and based his drive for abolitionism on his religion. Henry Highland Garnett was born on December 23rd, 1815 and passed away on February 13th, 1882 at the age of 66. Henry Highland Garnett, our little known black history fact for today. All right. Henry Highland Garnett. And let us move on. I like, I like, I like it. Okay, so our last plug of the day is our podcast of the week and this is familiar to most most folks you can hear them on the radio but they also have a podcast and it's called the breakfast club breakfast club charlamagne the guy dj envy used to be angela Yee, but she's no longer with them so i think they have a weekly guest um she week. has her own podcast yeah she has her own podcast but we're not highlighting her podcast <laughs> <laughs> We are going to do with the breakfast, the breakfast club. Yeah, we'll hit up. <laughs> okay, so that is that. And let us move on. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. All right, this week, our this or that is Voyage to India versus Acoustic Soul. 
And I will let my partner start this one off. Well, as a huge India RE fan, I will state at the outset that I love her and she can do no wrong. I love all of her music. Her voice is amazing. Her music is healing. And I just love it. So, again, your choice on which one of these albums is the best one is just going to depend on what measure you use. And for me, I decided to just base it on which album has the most songs on it that I love. And I can honestly say Acoustic Soul, I can put it in and play it from beginning to end. I love every song on, on that album, all 16 of them. And on top of that, Acoustic Soul is certified double platinum, in case you didn't know. It was released on March 27, 2001 by Motown, and it received seven Grammy nominations at the 44th Grammy Awards. And I still remember to this day how upset I was that Alicia Keys won, I think it was um, Album of the Year or Best R&B Album. Alicia Keys won that year. And I just was so disappointed that it wasn't India Ari because she deserved it. And I actually, I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this story, Dr. A, but I was in Brooklyn one summer. And I actually ran into India Ari and I couldn't believe it. And I was like, are you, you're India Ari? She was like, yes, it's me. And I told her face to face, you were robbed. You should have won that award. And she just laughed. She was a very a good sport. She just laughed. But bottom line, I mean, I just love every, every song on this, on this album. I know it front. I love it. And so I'm going to say acoustic. So I, I'm going to go with acoustic song. Voyage to India. When I looked at the, the songs, I know a lot of the songs, but some of them I'm not familiar with. But the ones I love on Voyage to India are Little Things, Talk to Her, The Truth, Beautiful Surprise. Beautiful Surprise. I love that song. Um, Get It Together um, and Good Man. Those are really the only ones that I'm familiar with. So half of the songs, I'm, I would probably have to listen to it to go, oh, yeah, that's right. I love that song. But her voice, I just love it. I just love everything about her. She's just not, you know. Did you, did you say you didn't know the truth? No, because he is the truth. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that's funny. That he makes me feel. And if I mm -hmm. am a reflection of him. Yeah, I know that. Did I say, I, I didn't say that one? I don't think you did. Okay, I but love I, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go with Voyage to India. Sometimes it's not you the just... selling of the album. It's what's going on in your life at the time the album drops out. And so the lyrics of the song can uh of the different songs on the album can speak to you in a different way so it could be timing like in your life you know? sure. and sometimes music is a uh a good recipe to cure the soul um clear the mind and to help you move forward um sometimes you need to hear they're like short novels sometimes you need to, you need to hear stories about love. 
You need to hear stories about loss. You need to hear stories about, you know, um, anger and frustration. And I do, uh, I think India Irie is, I will say this, she is my, and this is tough. I'm not saying this lightly. She is my favorite neo soul artist. Oh, I can say that too. Right. I can say that too. And because I, it's uh, it's only a few. Her, Erica Badu, who else? Well, Jill Scott. Jill Scott. That's yeah. true. Ooh, yeah. that's a tough category too. Music soul child. But are we talking about female artists? I'm, I'm just saying she's just in general. She's, yeah. I'm saying she's Maxwell. Period. Yeah, yeah, Maxwell. So there, there's a lot out there. Yeah. Um, She's and and I, when I say that, that's telling you know, uh, telling you how much I like her because I, the other artists we name, I truly like them too. I like yes. Scott. I like Erica Badu. I like music. I like Maxwell. So there's a lot of um, artists out there, um, kindred. Was it Kindred Soul? Um, it's, it's a lot Kendrick of Kindred Family Soul, yeah. Kendrick, yeah. Kendrick family. family Soul, yeah. So, I love them too. <laughs> so, uh, a voyage to India, acoustic soul. I really like her creativity, um, and I just think she's an amazing artist um, and an amazing writer too. So, um, yeah. I wanted to add to what you said about music, mm -hmm. like being healing. The phrase is. Uh, Music soothes the savage beast. Have you ever heard that? Yes. Yeah. And that's so true. So I, I agree with you. And another thing I wanted to just add, if I may, um, to me, India Ari, just with these two albums, to me, she she wouldn't have to make not another song and she would be okay. In my these are just masterpieces to me. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Stevie Wonder, like she could travel and 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 um just perform. just tour on these two, yeah, on these two albums. Like Frankie Beverly, don't have to <laughs> make not another song, and he's gonna, you know what I mean? He can tour with the, the body of work, yeah. right? Yeah. That he has about and, five songs, yeah, yeah. And I mean, so to me, she's just a time. I mean, young MC does it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are some really super duper duper talented artists out there. And you just wonder, like, why aren't they? She should be just as big as Beyonce to me. Like, you know what I mean? But I, I guess it's just. Well, I, I mean, think her music is more adult. Oh, no, you didn't say Beyonce. The Beehive going to get you. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Beyonce. I don't I don't think 11 and 12 year old kids are going to dig. India Irie, like they uh -huh. were, video. I don't think you don't think they like video, brown skin, all those good songs. You don't think the kids I'll say this again. I don't think 11 and 12 year old girls is gonna dig India Irie like they will dig Beyonce. I think Beyonce's songs are more pop and and they spread out more so. And then then to me, I think adult black men and black women who are have some intellect <laughs> and Ooh. have some culture i'm look i'm not saying that Ooh. look i'm not saying that 11 and 12 year old person couldn't like them but i'm just saying if you look between indiari and beyonce beyonce is more pop popular culture 
You know, she has young white girls liking her too. And I don't know, and I could be wrong. I don't know how many young 13 and 14 adolescent white girls is going to be jumping on India IRE. And that's okay. She sold enough. You know, I still like her better than Beyonce my, my, myself. If that's, But that doesn't mean I don't like Beyonce. Well, you know, my daughter really loves India Ari too and loves yeah. her music. But, you know, she's got a little, you know, eclectic taste when it comes to music as well. So, um, and she, but, she mean, writes and, you know, music herself. Right, so what exactly. I'm saying is that if there is, and I'm sure there are, there are white girls, Asian girls, other girls of different races and background that will appreciate India Ari too. But if I had to group it, yeah, I think Beyonce is going to win that category of folks because I just think it's a deeper reach. I think you have to have some sort of life experience to really, really uh, appreciate the music. Yeah, I, I yeah. And I, and I, and, I, and when I say that, I don't mean to be insulting to either one of the artists, both of them are great artists, you know, um, Beyonce's Lemonade album, her visual album was superb. Um, and she doesn't even need me to vouch. <laughs> right. But you know, um, the other thing I love about India Ari's music is that these songs are poetry. Like if you just took the music out of it and just listen to the lyrics, it's pure poetry. And she wrote a lot of these songs. And so I just think she is a spectacularly talented artist. And artists like her and Lettucey and Jasmine Sullivan, who are just flat out vocalists who can just, I mean, just their throats are anointed. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't understand how they're not as big as yeah. Beyonce. Layla really Le Hathaway. Whoa. Like I said, I, I hear you. I hear you. I don't, Layla, let us see. Little kids ain't, you know what I'm saying? Like you and I, like you're, you're, let's be honest, you're a songstress too. So you grew up singing. So you have an appreciation for it. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's culture with me. My, I think my love for jazz and then my love for like, um, they say backpack. Rap artists like you know Trial Call Quest, you know that whole native tongue De La so makes me really appreciate, you know, my neo soul artists. You know, I love Erica Bobby. I hear you. You know, I hear you. So I, I, and I, like I said, it's not like neo soul artists don't like Beyonces and Rihannas and things of that nature. Right. Um, There's I, room for all of them. Right. Exactly. And I and I'm not. I'm not trying to lower someone's in like, well, it's less intellect to listen to Beyonce. I'm saying, no, I just think that if you listen to like a song like Bag Lady by Erica Badu, you know. I was just listening to that. Yeah, yeah like you, it's not, I don't, I don't know. To me, I think black kids may appreciate that, you know, more so because it's cultural. You know, uh, maybe poor people, you know, can, you know, do that. But, you know, the way she, Erica Badu sings that song, it's, it's a double meaning, you know, to it. Do tell. Well, bag lady, you going to hurt your back? Yeah. Carrying on like that. So it's just like, to me, there's two images I have of that. One of 
an old lady coming from the grocery store, like back in the days and having the bags to carry. And then when the little kids in my neighborhood would see her, we'll go up because we were young gentlemen and help her with the bags and bring them to her house. She might have the little laundry thing. You know, it's a lot of bags. So actually, but really she might be talking about baggage. Yeah. Bringing into a relationship, you know? So that's what I mean by double meaning, like the struggle of black women, you know, a uh, single black woman or just black women in general. Um, and then, you know, also the struggle with them, not just in life, in relationships, too. So and and I'm not saying like like somebody like. Well, let's be honest, your daughter is also in 11th grade. You know. Well, now, but she's been yeah. loving this music for years. For a while, right. But she also has music inclined. And then I asked, how much did you play that around her? Because that's another reason why we like music. If, 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 if we grew up in households where our parents listened to ACDC, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> and you, you understand what I'm saying? We would be right. We, right. we get indoctrinated to the OJs and... You know, Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes and to Teddy Pendergrass, Jeffrey Osborne. I can go on and on. Commodores. You know what I'm saying? That's so, true. I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's, what, it's what you hear, like, you growing hear. up. Right. What you're exposed up. to. Yeah. Right. That's so true. That, that was playing in your living room. And, you know, we closed this, the show with, you know, Don Cornelius' piece. So, yeah. That's, right, right, that's right. So let us. Let us move on. Oh hell no! You usually do it two times. Oh hell no! All right, so this guy Brandon Bentley. This to me was a story that didn't get talked about enough. Okay. Yeah. So this can I call him a gentleman? This no. man Crazy. Uh, was caught with weapons in a vehicle. On the campus of North Carolina A and T. Now, for those who don't know, <laughs> North Carolina A and T is also an HBCU, and is located in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, right down the street from Bennett College, which is another HBCU, which is an all-girls school, and um, concealed guns without a permit under a bill signed by the Republican government. Uh, is that Ron DeSantos? What state is this? This is this is Carolina, but we 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 is he from Florida? Uh, this gentleman here. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. And all I know is this happened in uh North Carolina. And yeah, in uh Greensboro. But can I just read what he what the weapons that he had? I think the people got to know what he had yeah. in his vehicle. The police discovered two handguns, two shotguns, one rifle, a crossbow, a machete, stun gun, hatchets, knives, choking devices, pepper spray, a blow dart gun brass knuckles and it was so much they said and other weaponry they just couldn't even listen they they said a thousand other, rounds of ammunition okay and a thousand rounds of various ammunition what in the world <clears throat> what in the 
And he, he was chasing unarmed security guards. This is crazy. So, how, first of all, how did he get on campus like this? I mean. that Okay, like that. But he they found him in his vehicle, right? Right. So, he must have been stopped for whatever behavior he was exhibiting. Um, I don't know if he looked suspicious or what. I'm glad they they uh, detained him um, before he could do any damage. But this is just flat out scary, you know. And 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 you remember back in this uh, George Floyd, uh, what what was that? The summer of twenty was that twenty twenty one? Summer of twenty twenty one when George Floyd happened and all of these corporations started making these philanthropic donations to HBCUs, um, I, I thought back then I was like afraid of all of the attention that these HBCUs were getting because I was thinking to myself, you know, they don't want to see black people get, get any type of resources like this. And so there's going to be some crazy people out there targeting HBCUs. That's what I thought. And then, because what better way is there to get a whole bunch of black people at once than to target an HBCU, especially when they're getting these, uh, you know, these resources in. Um, and so after, shortly after that, we started having these bomb threats. Remember all the bomb threats that were happening on these HBCU campuses? And I said, here we go. And so then the crazy person like Brandon Bentley is targeting an HBCU. So that's why I was glad to hear um, when Kamala Harris announced uh, the project, it's called Project Serve, which stands for School Emergency Response to Violence. I don't know if you heard about this, but um, did she announced this like the end of, 20, of 2022, I think. Um, and basically it's a program that, uh, you know, makes HBCUs eligible for grants ranging from anywhere from $50,000 to $150,000 to guard against these kinds of threats. And so, you know, I, I was happy to hear about that because of this. But this guy, um, you know, I'm glad he also was arrested um, and charged with all kinds of weapons violations. And so now I want to see him punished to the fullest extent of the law. He needs to go to jail to send a message that y'all going to stop targeting HBCUs. You're going to have to stop. And so, you know, that's where I am with it. How about you? Well, you know me. I would say they need to stop targeting every college and university um, I don't understand why people today are trying to solve their issues by killing innocent people. <laughs> why are we going to colleges and universities where students, you know, don't have any money, trying to get ahead, eating Roman noodles? Like, what? <laughs> Why are you maybe you're trying to kill them because they're trying to get ahead? You know, uh, you could be doing the same thing. And why all these weapons? Um, I mean, and you're targeting people of color, mm -hmm. you know, and then people will start to say, like, it ain't about race. Well, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Explain that to me. You on a black ca campus. 
Just and like this is a white guy for those black, who are, yeah, yeah, who are listening. If, this is a if, white guy. If, if yeah. you're on a black campus or at a black church or like that young man up in Buffalo went to a grocery store that is uh, heavily used uh, by African-Americans in the black neighborhood, you're going to seek out and kill black people exactly. basically for the color of their skin um, and your blind hatred to these individuals because you don't know them. You know, um, I just, this has to stop. But I do think like college campuses across the country, again, you need to beef up the security. Yeah, It's sad that we're living in a world like this, but better safe than sorry because you can walk on these public campuses like... Nothing you, like you, you, you might know have what a, happened up at Howard University with them folks just coming up there with their dogs and exactly. walking exactly and letting the dogs poop and pee everywhere and all over the place. Yeah, yeah. and people exactly. trying to sit on the lawns. I mean, that just really got my go. That just yeah. angry. I was just so angry about that because let that be the other way around, though. Okay, and let you know what like I said on American University, like that. right? These people have some caucasity, they mm -hmm. gentrify the neighborhood and think they're entitled to everything. No, no, you're not. No, don't come on our campus, you know, littering and letting your dog poop and pee everywhere that we gotta sit. Don't do that. That's disrespectful. It's they try true. to colonize everything, but at the end of the day, I, you know, one thing is, is most college campuses, you can walk through the front gate, but very few can you walk in, you know, you know, a lot of times you, you're not, you can't walk into the dorms. You know, there's somebody sitting there at the front. Yeah, desk. You can't walk into the dorms, but you can walk into the, the building gate. where the classes are. True. So that's, True. you know, just as bad, but and let us move on. Give it up, give it up, give it up. Yo. All right. I'll give it up today. It's going to the LSU Lady Tigers for winning, as uh, Miss Wyatt said, the Natty, the national championship. The Natty, I, I learned something new today. Like Nat, I can. I've heard the word before, but usually it's uh, for Cincinnati. Oh yeah, right. she said it right there. She said they won a Natty, a national championship, and I got it. I was like, oh. Yeah, I got it after she said it because if she wouldn't have said that, I would have asked her. Excuse exactly. me, what is a Natty? <laughs> All right. See, the young people keep us, you know, up to date and here, you know. <laughs> but yeah, LSU for winning a national championship. Shout out. All right. So we're going to recap. And always, we start off with our plug. Our product this week was Tiffany. Our brand was Nugenics. And our podcast was The Breakfast Club. Um, our words of wisdom for the week was by Huey P. Newton. I do not expect the white media to create positive black male images. We covered Angel Reese, Lou Simmons, Clarence Thomas, and the Democratic lawmakers that got expelled in Tennessee. Weekly question, what goes up but never comes down? Our weekly interview was Miss Kyla Wyatt. A little known black history fact was Henry Highland Garnett. Uh, we did a this or that segment, which put Acoustic Soul versus A Voyage to India, both uh, by India Irie. Our All Hell No went to Brandon Bentley, and we gave it up to the LSU Lady Tigers. All right, 
as always. Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedules to hang out with us. And as always, in parting, we wish you love, peace, and soul. And so, folks, we will see you next week.